0: Super Talk Mississippi media production. If you're feeling anxious about your investments with all the economic volatility and chaos in Washington, tune in to Super Talk Jackson on Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. and Sundays from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myelementwealth.com. It's time for True American Heroes. For the Record with Jack Rutland. Another exclusive on Super Talk Mississippi 102.1 FM. Many of our heroes have taken their stories with them to the grave. But this show is about the stories and personal experiences of these veterans. Warning, these stories are real, heartfelt, and unedited. It's an honor to have with us this morning Ms. Don Hemphill, longtime resident of Brookhaven in Lincoln County, who's been very gracious to to come in. And spend some time with us as we talk about his military experience and his service, most particularly in World War II. Let me just ask some questions and you just speak to the things out of your experience. But first of all, were you still in school whenever the war started, when Pearl Harbor was bombed, or were you out of school and working?
1: I was still in high school. Still in high school. I finished in 1942, of course. December 41. December
0: 41 is correct. Now, where were you living at that time? Bude. In Butte, Mississippi. where were you going to school? Bude, Mississippi. Bude High School. Bude High School. How about that? Do you remember hearing about the bombing of Pearl Harbor? I heard. Yes, I did.
1: We were out in the yard playing touch football. And the radio was on. Of course, we didn't have television those days. The radio, the windows were down, and we heard it. And, you know, I thought, uh, we'll whip those guys before breakfast.
0: Wow. Well, now, tell me about how the decision process was for you to determine what branch of the service you would go into.
1: Wasn't my decision. <laughs> I mean,
0: I was at school at Mississippi State,
1: and uh, of course, I knew I would be drafted. So I tried to volunteer for every branch of service. You can't make it your eyes. You can't see. Well, so when I was drafted, I thought I'm not going to worry. They didn't care if you were blind, you know.
0: So you waited until you got the draft notice. Right, I sure did. Interesting. Now, did you have a lot of friends, uh, schoolmates, uh, family members that uh, were enlisting at the same time?
1: We didn't enlist, remember that.
0: Excuse me, drafted at the same time. One boy that I went to high school with was drafted at the same time.
1: We stayed together from all the time. And what was his name? Stuart
0: Beatty. Stuart Beatty. And Stuart's not with us anymore. How about that? So you ended up in the Army. Right. All right, tell me about your training before you actually, and you did go overseas, but before all of that, tell me a little bit about your training and where you were and what kind of training you took.
1: Well, we were training in, in Taunton, Massachusetts. When we first got up there, we painted every rock in that place. <laughs> and, uh, of course, the amphibious engineers I was assigned to. I can't swim. You know, still can't swim. <laughs> <laughs> we we took infantry basic, and uh, well, for about six weeks, 6 months—I don't know how long it was—but but that's what I had infantry basic, and then of course you were trained with explosives and building bridges and all that sort of stuff.
0: Incredible! Now all your training took place up in Massachusetts. Right, then. right. Okay, so and then you were assigned with what group, what unit?
1: The. Uh, Two old fifth engineers attached to the 29th division.
0: Okay, and did you guys get shipped overseas? We sure did.
1: Well, I think it was March, March in forty three, probably. And where did you where did we it, it landed in Glasgow, Scotland, and took a train to Avonmouth near Bristol, England, and we stayed there until time to go on the trip to the continent.
0: Now. Now, it, it had to be an interesting experience. How old were you probably when you got to England, roughly? Oh, 19 to 20. Now, what was it like for a 19- or a 20-year-old young man from Butte, Mississippi, to suddenly wake up in Scotland, England?
1: Well, the thing I remember about my first Christmas in England of course, there weren't many soldiers over there. that There was many, not not as many as lately. But I was on a park bench by myself first Christmas. Homesick is the devil.
0: Goodness, yeah, but
1: uh,
0: now where were where were you then? That where was in in, uh, in in Evenmouth, England. Evenmouth, England. Yeah. Incredible. So at that point, you were just waiting for orders to be shipped to Europe,
1: right? We we stayed in England. This was uh, September, I guess, in 1944. We stayed
0: there until the invasion. So when did you actually go into the continent? When did you make that trip across the Channel?
1: June the 6th, 1944.
0: Oh, my goodness. So you were actually a part of the invasion? Yeah, but now a good thing, we, of, course I, of course,
1: there was... We had been out there in that ocean, and and the waves, and we were all seasick, you know, and couldn't get on the beach, and it was almost dark when we got on the beach.
0: Now, I read a good bit about the the days leading up to the invasion, and actually most of the troops spent several days on ships because of the weather delays and things, and so how many days do you remember that you actually stayed on that cramped ship with all those other soldiers? Uh, Oh, probably two
1: days because I think the invasion was supposed to be the fifth. Right. weather stopped
0: it. But
1: we didn't get off the ship.
0: So on December the 6th, early that morning, you started the trip across the channel. Right, right. I can only imagine what was going through the minds of a lot of your friends and yourself.
1: Well, I'll tell you what worried me, you know. I thought if we get killed, you're supposed to, you know, you could. But I couldn't swim, I didn't want to drown.
0: And I understand the water was pretty rough on that uh, on that day anyway, oh, yes, so it was it was, yeah. it was rocking pretty good, and, yeah. and you had thoughts. Now, what what type of uh, did you actually make a landing in one of the uh, landing craft? Yes, did
1: no no What do they call those things? Higgins boats. I was right. in a Higgins
0: boat. You no, were not in Higgins. a Higgins. I was in. I think it was an
1: LCI. The, right. The, the ramp went down the side of the ship. Okay. That's what
0: it was. A little bit bigger ship too isn't yeah yeah, bigger ship. Okay, so when did you actually hit the beach on June 6? Was it earlier in the No, in it the... was
1: late in almost dark.
0: Okay, so yeah. it was late in the afternoon. Yeah right. Uh, now, which beach do you remember <laughs> where you were on the beach? Was it Sword, Juno? It was
1: Omaha Omaha. Let me, Omaha. Tell,
0: you, let me okay. tell you something.
1: We went on invasion maneuvers in England. For Utah Beach. Utah, okay. Utah Beach, all right. We were on a coaster, coasters of a little British ship that goes along the coast. And all of a sudden we just pulled into Dartmouth, England. Dartmouth, there wasn't a soul on the street. We sit there for hours and hours and hours before we finally got trucks to take us back. Never did join the company the battalion after that. We were separate. I later found out but that was part of Operation Tiger, where the where the German submarine, German U-boats got out, non-U-boats, torpedo ships, we call them, mm-hmm. and sunk several Americans' ships there. Mm-hmm. Of course, they kept that a secret until after the war. Well, we, we, now, that happened at Staples and Sands. Dartmouth is north of there. We pulled into Dartmouth, and that's why I later found out we pulled in there. My goodness. And, uh. We never did join the company after that. And we drew Omaha Beach.
0: <laughs> the rest of the company went to Utah Beach. Oh my goodness. All right, so you you went on to the landed on the beach late in the day on June sixth. Right, right. All right. What was it like going on to the beach at that time?
1: Well, let's just say it wasn't pretty. And I'm not going to say any more about it. They were still recovering from the yeah, well, initial invasion. And yeah, now we stayed on that beach. We stayed there for well, probably a month. Mm. You took up mines. You made landing strips. You had anything you wanted to blow up. We blew it up. And, and uh,
0: so tell me a, a little bit more about your unit. You were actually building things or blowing things up or both. Both. <laughs> both. Okay, all right, that's interesting. So you, yeah. you, you mentioned landing strips. You would put down the, the, the metal yeah, pieces, mat, the mats, mat. that's right, and you also disarmed mines and things that you found that were left by the troops. Right, turbines.
1: and made uh, Bailey Bridges and I think pontoon bridges. And, uh, we were just gentle flunkies. I was a, <laughs> a section leader, and it says they're supposed to be above average in strength. I was 60 feet tall, weighed 135 pounds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, they apparently thought you were a good leader to put oh, you in God. that position. All right. So you were on, on the beach roughly a month. Yeah. At the end of that period, you started moving inland.
1: Right. And we, uh, we finally wound up in, in Antwerp, Belgium. Mm-hmm. And then we moved from Belgium to Germany, we wound up in Bremerhaven, Germany. And uh, (laughs) I remember some things. We were lost. It was snow all over the ground, close to Christmas. There were four of us, four of us, I guess. I don't remember their names. I remember their faces. One boy spoke French. Anyway, we came to a railroad yard. Snow all over the place. And he says, I can spell cold smoke. Well, we knew there was fire someplace. We found a little old room about this size. And it was just loaded with guys just like us. And there was a black soldier sitting on his helmet with a flashlight, reading the Bible, and explaining it to the guys sitting around him and asking questions. My goodness. Now, we left that. I don't know why we left we we went in. It was it was snowing. When we can't get out, it was before daylight. There wasn't a cloud in the sky, full of stars. Snow was all over the place, and it was so quiet you could hear the quietness. You know, mm. and there was one star in the east that seemed like brighter than all the rest. Now, this wasn't it was, I don't know if it was Christmas or not, but it, 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 the story sounds
0: good if it was Christmas, you know. And it meant something to you at that particular moment. Yeah, it sure did. I guarantee Well, let me was. ask you this. Uh, it sounds like you were right in the middle of the push from the beaches there on Normandy, all across Europe, and yeah. ended up in Germany. Yeah. Uh, did you have much contact with the, uh, with the enemy? <laughs>
1: yes, we did, but the, the things that I remember, let me get this story straight back. We left this place and we wound up in Charleroi, Belgium, trying to get back to the unit. One boy with us spoke French. He said, Don, I got us a room in the house. So we stayed with this family for about three or four days. And there was one girl, three or four girls, one girl was about ten years old. She came to see me in Brookhaven here. Goodness. Oh, she was in her 60s then, I guess. How neat! Yeah. How and, neat! And and and, sweet P. Adams, Janine Adams was the translator for us.
0: That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. All those years after that experience to be reunited as friends. When
1: when when, when we
0: left the house, the mother gave me her address, and I put it in my scrapbook
1: and forgot about it. Till about it in oh, I guess it was in 97 or 98, I found it and put it in the letter and sent it to the burgomaster of Charleroi. And she said he brought it to her house.
0: Incredible. Yeah, yeah. How about that? That is a really neat experience. You know, your actual your actual uh, time as a, a GI. Now, folks don't realize you guys didn't always get a hot meal, oh. and a lot of times you may not have the right gear. Was that right, true right, to your experience?
1: Yeah. That's right. In, 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 uh, it got so cold the fog even froze and we didn't have winter we didn't have winter clothes.
0: Uh, we're in the studio today with Mr. Don Hempill, longtime resident of our community, who's sharing his experiences with us from World War II. Uh, Mr. Don, you were talking about being in Europe after the Normandy invasion and the push across Europe into Germany. Uh I'm sure you had lots of experiences some of you may not even wanted to talk about or may not want to remember but uh, some of the most memorable experiences uh, that you that just stand out in your mind that you don't think you'll ever forget any of those that you could share with us
1: well there's some things that that I'll, I'll never that I'll, that I'll never forget and I don't even want to talk about sure but uh Things that I remember were just things that guys do and happen to each other. I remember when we were coming, leaving and going back to in other words, we were in Bremerhaven, Germany, when the war ended, and we were to to get home you had to go to the south of France. Well we were in forty and eight, that's those cars, you know, care forty, forty forty men or eighty horses. And uh I knew we we passed. They put wine in, in tank cars, you know, wooden tank cars. And I knew sometime we were going to pass, stop where one of those cars were. <laughs> and we did. And those guys got out there with their carbines and shot holes in that thing and took their <laughs> canteen cups and got that wine. <laughs> and when we got to... Uh, I think it was Laharve. We were a happy bunch.
0: <laughs> incredible, incredible. Uh, um, what about citations? Did you? Uh, well, unit citations, got individual.
1: The, got the, the That's the French citation, but that's all we got. We didn't get anything else. So records got burned, and and we wanted to get home. You know.
0: You, where were you? Do you actually remember where you were when you heard that the war was over? Bremerhaven, Germany. What was the reaction of of the guys around you and yourself? Oh, gosh.
1: You know, and the German people were happy. Mm. They'd been in war a long time. And, uh, of course, they didn't like us at first. You weren't supposed to fraternize with them. You couldn't speak to them. You're walking down the sidewalk. You didn't get they moved over for you. Well, you don't you, you don't do things like that. You know, you see a kid that's hungry, you go give him something to eat if you got it. And they were hungry people over there. And uh, I guess... Uh,
0: uh, it had to be an emotional experience for all was. of the guys when y'all heard that it was finally over because uh, you didn't get leave to go home. Oh, no, indeed. Uh, that's no, what I was I can thinking. I
1: remember when I came home... I got in Boston and called home, and my dad says, what do you want for supper? And it just came out grits and gravy, and I hadn't thought about grits and gravy in years because I knew she'd have ha- – mom would have that ham, and I could put my feet on her table and be happy.
0: Wow. You know? Wow. So you, you came back by ship? Oh, yeah. Uh, that had to be an experience. A bunch of happy guys compared to the trip over with a bunch of guys that were really uncertain about what was coming – but coming back had to be a little different.
1: Yeah, well, we went over on the USS Explorer, which was a converted, a converted cargo ship, you know. And uh, it wasn't a pleasant trip. It took us 11 days. And mm. in, in, in the worst storm that it had in the North Atlantic in years. And then we <laughs> came back on the USS General Anderson, a troop ship, an American troop ship. Different thing altogether. Everybody was feeling a lot better. Oh, well, everybody was feeling a lot better. So, you landed in Boston? Well, yeah, we landed in Boston, but the weather was so good we were ahead of time, see? And the captain wanted to take us by New York so we could see the Statue of Liberty. Okay. And uh, I don't know, this is not a nice thing to tell you, but we were all out on the deck seeing the Statue of Liberty. This friend of mine who wanted to get back to some raw Mississippi and the girl he'd been writing to all these years. Turned around, bent over, <laughs> and said, sweetheart, take a good look or you're never going to see it again.
0: <laughs> so uh, so you, you after you uh, left the ship, uh, how long did it take you? I'm sure by train was the way you came back to the south. Oh, I, well, I'm going to say a week because you
1: stayed in camp up there for a while to get deprocessed. And that's all right, it.
0: that's right. Then you got back to Camp
1: Shelby. Then to Shelby. And, of course, my mom and dad were there. At
0: Shelby. At Shelby, waiting for me. Quite a reunion, I'm oh, sure. Oh, yes, indeed,
1: yes, indeed.
0: Well, um, Mr. Hemphill, I can't tell you uh, what an honor it is to have had you with us this morning, and I, I would love to spend hours with you uh, sh- hearing your experiences, but I do thank you for taking the time to share these experiences with us and, uh, and I can honestly say on behalf of Brookhaven, Lincoln County, and a grateful country as well, that we, are, we thank you for your service at a time when our country needed men such as yourself.
1: Well, let me tell you two more things that I remember. A deck of cards when I got on the ship going overseas. And a half a pint of milk when I got off the ship coming home.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Again, thank you, Mr. Hill.
1: Always quite been my pleasure.
0: A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.